Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kisisa. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Kisisa contains 12 mitzvos, excuse me, 9, 4 positive and 5 restrictions. And what you have in Parshas Kisisa as well is the sin of the Egel Hazav, the golden calf, which as a concept does not get easier from year to year, that we struggle with trying to understand how just 40 days after they have received the Torah and revelation at Sinai, are they able to worship the golden calf? I'd like, however, to focus this morning on a few of the most challenging psukim in the Torah, whereby after Hashem has agreed to restore the relationship between himself and Klal Yisrael, we find that Moshe asks Hashem, Hareini no eskvodecha, which literally means, let me see your glory. Let me see your essence. And this is found towards the end of Perik Lamed Gimel, the end of chapter 33, starting with Pasuk 19, through Pasuk 23. Our rabbis understand that when Moshe says, let me see you, Hashem, he's not asking to see literally, because like every school child knows, that Hashem is incorporeal. Hashem has no body. By definition, if he had a body, as large as it would be, it would still be limiting X amount of billion watt, and that's where it would end. And given that he is Ein Sof, he is unlimited, so too, by definition, he has no body. So if Moshe says, I'd like to see you, what he's meaning is, I'd like to understand you. Like a math teacher, might ask the class, do you see the problem? He's not asking if their glasses are working. He's asking if they understand the problem. Similarly, Moshe's asking, according to the Gemara Brachos, Tav Zayin, Ahmed Aleph, at the bottom, Moshe is asking, I don't understand how Tzadik Viralo Russia Vitovlo, that oftentimes it appears as if the righteous are suffering and the wicked have it so good and easy. And what does Hashem answer him? Hashem answers Moshe in Pasuk Chav Gimel, the last Pasuk in chapter 33. I will pass over you and the Ro'isa es you will see my back.
Ufanai lo yiro'u, but my face may not be seen. You will not see my face. What does this mean? God has no back. He has no face. The Chassam Sofer says very powerfully that what the Torah is telling us is that you will not see my face, meaning that while events are occurring right now in the world, very often we cannot understand why they're happening. We cannot appreciate at the time that Hashem is the one who is actually putting into effect whatever is happening. However, with time, you will come to realize and appreciate that and see my hand in history. That Hashem is the one who controls history and the destiny, the destiny of all of mankind and specifically the destiny of Klal Yisrael. This is a very powerful idea, seeing God in the everyday, but it must be accompanied by a very strong sense of emuna and bitachon, of faith, because once again, we don't always understand as things are happening, why they're happening. And the truth of the matter is, if we did understand, we would not be human at that point there. We would be God. This past week, Tuesday and Wednesday, was Purim Katan. I'd like to, first of all, very quickly, why did we observe Purim Katan this past week? Because really, if you think about it, when there are two Adars, and the reason that we have seven years that are leap years out of a 19-year cycle, is to adjust the lunar and solar calendars, meaning that the first mitzvah given in Parsha's bow, first mitzvah given, in the land of Egypt to the Jewish people is that you are to have a unique calendar. And what is that? On the one hand, it is a lunar calendar and we follow the moon and we have months of 29 or 30 days. There's no February of 28 days and there's no months of 31 days, 29 or 30. However, the lunar calendar is 11 days shorter than the solar calendar. And so, if we only had the lunar calendar, falling back 11 days a year could, after 7, 8 years, 77, 88 days from when we started in Nisan, in the springtime, what would happen is, in future years, Pesach could fall in the winter, Pesach can fall in the summer. To prevent that, as the Torah demands that Pesach be in the springtime, seven out of 19 years are leap years. Okay, so we have to have two Adars. Interestingly, why Adar? Because 
in the third chapter of Megillas Esther, talking about the decree of Haman. So we are told that the decree went out to, God forbid, annihilate the Jews in the 13th day of Chodesh Neim Asar, the 12th month, which is identified as Chodesh Adar. Okay, so I need two months in order to have our calendar in sync. Okay, if I were to ask anybody of the two Adar, first or second, when should we observe Purim? So the Talmud says, what do you mean, when should you observe Purim? Mitzvah boliyotcha altach mitzena. A mitzvah which comes your way, don't delay. However, there is an overriding factor which the Talmud suggests as to why we do observe Purim, not in the first, but in the second, and that is lismoch ku'ula Ligula, namely that we want to juxtapose and put one next to the other, the holiday of Purim and the holiday of Pesach. Why? Because just as the holiday of Pesach is a miracle which is supernatural, when each of the ten plagues affected the Egyptians and did not affect the Jewish people, the splitting of the Red Sea, all this was for sure an obvious miracle, so too, having Purim next to Pesach, we juxtapose one salvation, one miracle next to the other, telling us that the Purim story, the Megillas Esther, is no less a miracle. Wait a minute. Chapter 1, Achashverosh has Vashti killed. I'll ask you, is that a miracle? Probably happened very frequently in those days and throughout history. Secondly, that an attractive woman called Esther becomes the queen. Is that a miracle? And we'll go from chapter to chapter and we'll ask you, where is the miracle? And the answer is, whoa, looking back at history, looking back at the ten chapters going one after another, now you can see the hand of God in history. And that is such an important nakuda, such an important point. And I'd like to share with you, once we're talking about um, Purim, so wait a second, why did we observe Purim Katan? And the answer is because as soon as we come to the 14th of Adar and the 15th of Adar, the days that are celebrated as Purim for the entire Jewish world and then Purim for cities which were surrounded by a wall at the time of the Purim miracle. As soon as we come to the day 14th and 15th of Adar, we are reminded of the essence of Purim. The observance of Purim is in the second month, but the message of Purim, the indestructibility of the Jewish people, God's role in history and nature and his concern for specifically Klal Yisrael, this is something we cannot avoid but to note and once we note it, we celebrate it. We celebrate it by, not recitation of Tachanon, we celebrate it by 
not being permitted to fast and to enjoy the day. And through our physical enjoying of the day, we remind ourselves of the spiritual essence of the day. I'd like to share with you a very powerful um, teaching of the Vilna Gaon. Once we're talking about Purim, go and open up Megillas Esther and ask yourself, what are we being taught in the second verse of the Megillah? The first verse, Vahibi Rosh, teaches us who is, forgive me, one of the major players in the story, Achashverosh, and he's the king over 127 provinces. Now, in the third verse, we're told, as we get on with the story, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast, and we go on from there. What are we told by Yomimahim on those days when the king was sitting on Kisei Malchuso, his royal throne, which was in Shushan Habira, which was in Shushan, the capital. The Vilna Gon builds an incredible skyscraper on this verse, and he says as follows, wait a second, Shushan, the capital, all the kings before him had the capital in Bavel. Why is all of a sudden now the capital in Shushan? And more important, why are we talking about, by definition, if he's a king, of course a king sits on a throne. Why mention he's sitting on Kisei Malchuso on his royal throne? And he gives a fantastic answer. And he says that Achashverosh was so into himself that he ordered craftsmen to construct a throne similar to that of King Solomon. And it was a work which took no less than three years to do. And when it was completed, the throne was so heavy, they could not move the throne where it was made in Shushan and bring the throne to Babel. So, I don't have to tell you what this, quote, brilliant king did. Instead of saying, okay, I'll visit it once in a while. No, he moved the entire capital from Bavel to Shushan so he can sit on that royal throne. Imagine a president becoming president of the United States and saying, okay, the White House is nice, but the house that I have in whichever state far away, that is so much nicer. I'm moving the entire capital to that state so I can live in, quote, that house. That's exactly what happened over here. Why, says the Vilna Gon, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Misabev Sibuvim. We see God in history. Why did this happen? This happened because who was in Shushan? Mordechai HaYehudi was in Shushan. Who was in Shushan? Esther, who becomes Esther Amalka. So because they were there on the scene when the decree came to, God forbid, annihilate the Jews, they were there on the spot to respond, and the rest, as we know, is history. It's this concept of the Ro'iso es Achorai. We only see God after the fact. Oh, now we can appreciate that which happened. Ufanai lo but as, once again, it's happening, we cannot appreciate it. However, we must learn this very, very important lesson of history, 
as we say every day, at least three times a day, in our Shmona Esrei. Thank you, Hashem. Al-Chayenu HaMesurim for our lives, which are literally given over to your hands. Al-Nishmoseinu HaPkudos Lach, our souls that are entrusted to you. V'al-Nisecha Shebuchol Yomimanu, and the miracles that you perform for us every single day. Shabbat Shalom to all.